Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. It's uh, Elon Daly. It's part of the Talking Tesla network of shows. It's Wednesday. It's January 15th. This is probably going to be a short one because I've got to pack up and drive to Yosemite tomorrow. That's right. Got to go give a little talk. You know what I'm talking about in Yosemite? See, you know, I uh, used to do a lot of medical speaking, not so much anymore, but when I talk, it's usually on doctory things. But I am super excited because um, tomorrow in Yosemite, I'm going to be giving a talk on EVs. So this is a fun little medical conference. So it's mostly for ER docs. And uh, they do an evening session, though. They do an evening session for the families, for the spouses, for the kids, whatever there. And so you have a little wine, you have a little cheese, and they're doing some interesting evening talks for the whole family. And I was asked not to give a talk on the old medicine stuff. No, I was asked to give a talk on the road ahead all about EVs. So I'm super excited about doing that. So I'm going to be talking, obviously, about Teslas. And the plan is to do, you know, I think I've got 45 minutes. So I'm going to do just sort of 20 minutes, a little bit of the basics. And then just take questions and tell everybody to go and buy themselves a Tesla. Because that's going to be the summary. There's only one EV that's really worth buying in the US right now for most people. If you want a real car, I think I've said it a million times. And the example I'm going to use is, well, here's Mel who lives in Los Angeles. Yosemite Valley is about 300 miles away. And if you've got any other EV, trying to do that drive is a bit of a pain in the butt talks. But I'm going to charge up here and I'm going to have 322 miles from my solar panels, from the power of the sun into my car. And I'm going to drive all the way probably to Fish Creek, which is right at the top of Yosemite Valley before you do the descent to go into the valley. And guess what's there? A supercharger. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I think it's about 12 stalls. And 150 kilowatts, or I could stop at somewhere like Harris Ranch. But anyway, I'm going to explain how that works, and I'm going to charge up there, get myself some nice lunch, because I'm going to leave early, drive down to the valley floor, go for a nice walk. There's actually EV chargers down in the floor of the valley. Probably won't need it, but maybe I will. And then give me a little talky talk, and then i got to rush home the next day, drive up the valley, quick supercharge, get home, fly to Australia on Friday. All right? Did you get all that? But see, I tell you that story because even with, a say, a Chevy Bolt, which is a pretty long-range EV, gets about 250 miles, that drive is way more difficult. First of all, you don't have the same range. The Model 3 has 70-plus more miles of range than the Bolt. And the charging structure, infrastructure network for the Bolt is significantly harder to find, and the speed of charging is significantly less. I'm just saying kind of the second best long-range EV that's in the United States reasonably available right now, would make that trip, which isn't that hard, 300-ish miles, would make that trip so much more difficult than a Model 3. That's why I say it now, and I keep saying it, if you want a car that can do 99.9% of the travel that you need to do, it still, even today, is a Tesla. Model 3 SX. It's a Tesla. Just saying, it's a Tesla. And it's interesting, just as an aside, just had a meeting with one of my wife's colleagues, actually. She has just bought her first electric car. Her and her husband just went and got a Model 3, long range. And she's like, I can't believe how much better this car is than any other car I've had. It feels like my other car that I still have to drive every now and then is broken. And we had a big discussion about that. Seems to be everybody. Once you've driven that electric car experience, it's like so hard to go back to an ice car. And she says, and I even drive it on chill mode because I'm afraid of how powerful it is. I'm like, chill mode? What? Nobody drives on chill mode. Goodness sake. I want to talk about one other thing. 
instead of just waffling on here about Tesla, I want to tell you about a study. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's from a journal called One Earth, and it's by Mark Jacobson and crew. And it's a peer-reviewed open access journal. And it answers the question that a lot of us have been wondering. It's like, what would be the real cost of going 100% renewable for the entire planet? And so they did an analysis and basically came up, actually they did this for 143 countries and I can't remember why they looked at 143 countries because there's more than that now. But anyway, they went through and sort of systematically asked that question and it's interesting what they came up with. They basically said, this is a huge amount of money to do this, but this is actually doable. The cost, the capital cost to do wind and solar and storage, and sort of hydro, and all of the stuff that you would need to just do it, you know, with purely renewable things, no nuclear in there, would be, are you ready for it? $73 trillion. $73 trillion, Which sounds outrageous, but actually, you know, probably about right. But, you know, the payback period, if you look at the payback period, ladies and gentlemen, boys, it's seven years. This is very similar to solar plus storage at your house. That magic seven years seems to come up all the time. Yes, there's a big capital outlay, but then if you're making your own electricity and storing your own electricity and you're using it during the day and you have enough storage so that you can do it overnight or for a few days when uh, it's not shining, um, the payback period is actually pretty quick. Now, it obviously depends very much on how much you're paying for your electricity right now, but this $73 trillion is huge. But this $73 trillion has a payback period of seven years. And again, if you read this study and go through it, and you can do this in such a way that you use like less than a fraction of a percent of the, the usable land because there is so much solar energy that hits the planet, as it were. And we've talked about this before. It's, it's really remarkable how small the land has to be. Yes, putting PVs up there is a lot. And they're talking about putting it on sort of country land. They're talking about putting on rooftop solar gets you uh, some of the way. Geothermal gets you some of the way in some of the places. Onshore wind, offshore wind. The storage you can do in a number of different ways like pumped hydro and then maybe there's some lithium-ion batteries and stuff in there. But the point is if you're interested in this, deeply interested in this. It's a really interesting article. It has a bunch of tables, a bunch of stats, a bunch of interesting things. Go check it out. You can print it out. It's open source. But it just is a reminder that we could do this. This is a World War II level kind of a thing. And 73 trillion over 143 countries is still a lot of money. But your payback period is very good. And the other payback period is how many lives you save in terms of particular matter and how quickly you could stop CO2s being spewed into the air. We're still going to have issue even if we stopped tomorrow. But this is with a timeline of getting, I think, to... read this yesterday, so I'm a little bit confused. I think it's to 80% by 2030, 100% by 2050. And so it's huge, it's big, and it's large. And the number of people saved by the reduction in air pollution alone is absolutely massive, let alone saving an entire planet. So worth reading if you into this kind of thing, and I am, makes me have some hope. Is anybody going to do this? Well, maybe, maybe. I think some people are really starting to freak the heck out. I'm headed to Australia this weekend. I've got an aunt down there that's had an operation that's been a little bit sick, more than a little bit sick. I need to go see her, much loved aunt. And I also have this thing like feeling I need to go back to my people. 
I need to see what's happening with Australia. I need to get my finger on the pulse, and I will. I'll get the uh, carbon credits. I'll do something. I swear, I'll do something for that big long tr- flight. Gotta go see the koalas, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now tomorrow, because of the Yosemite thing, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to uh, get one out tomorrow. But what I think I'm going to try and do is actually record my lecture and try and record the questions. That's really the interesting thing. You don't really need to hear from me again. But maybe if I can capture some of those questions, you'll get a feel for what a sort of a a lay audience wants to ask about electric vehicles. So until then, maybe it'll be a day delayed, but, uh, you know, talk to you soon. Uh, My name's Mel Herbert Show. It's Elon Dove Pod, Talking Tesla network of shows and i think in the next couple of weeks you're going to get a little tom a little robert love okay talk to you soon